Follow your dreams, not your addictions. How are we going to follow our dreams locked in a prison? They try to swallow me whole. God be my witness. Deprive me out of my dreams, but I am relentless. I want the money. I never wanted the attention, so I don't pay attention to the comments in all dimensions because they didn't see my vision. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> when did they track that? When I was... I would say maybe 10 years ago. Yeah, because Justin Timberlake hasn't made music in a while. No. He's done some time. performances, but he hasn't done... Yeah, he's still performing around, to the best of my knowledge. but for in acting these days. I think that's what happens to some musicians, eh? They start going the acting bug. Especially him. Yeah. He seems like a jack-of-all-trades with his fashion, with his acting, with the music. Well, it rubs off from his wife as well, too, right? So in that, and then they're in that whole circle, right? Exactly. And he was actually, he's done some really good roles when he was younger and doing the, the flip between. He's done a lot. Yeah. And a lot of good stuff. I, I have nothing bad to say about him. But, uh, yeah, big fan. For well, there's sure. a bunch of other celebrities I could say something bad about. I don't <laughs> care about that. I'll leave that up to Joy Coy to take care of him. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Like, I, I'm, I'm glad that you made the time to come in. Someone suggested it. We were trying to figure out who it was, so I apologize. And if they're listening right now, thank you. I just don't remember it. I, I get a lot of DMs, and I get a lot of requests, and I get a lot of people reaching out. And I just don't have the time to kind of follow okay. through everything all the time. But, um, yeah, we're going to do something a little different today. Uh, oh, man. I want to learn about your history, your back off mic. You were telling us a little bit about your your cultural history, your background, and, and where you come from. Obviously, the surname has got some Portuguese attached to it. Um, but it's nice that you, you express it in a different kind of way instead of the Portuguese way, which we're all familiar with, with the X being more of an S. <laughs> But it's just, uh, let me share the deeds. So, Emron Texera, you pronounce it Texera. Texera, yeah. Yeah, Texera. And then Wonderlust by Emron Texera. And your website is triple W, Emron, and it's I M R U N, and it's uh, T E X E I R A dot C A. And then his email is Texera, Emron at gmail.com. And then you can find him on IG at Emron, uh, Emron dot Texera. Uh, and then you're also on LinkedIn. Quick shout out to Clint. I'm wearing his T. FS, no, what is it? F's, Fieldstone, sorry, Fieldstone. <laughs> Never mind. Fieldstone from Clint, thanks so much for the tea. Appreciate it. Unleash your voice on the Construction Life podcast community. Are you passionate about the world of construction, trades, and all things building related? The Construction Life podcast wants to hear from you. Leave us a review, share your thoughts, insights, and experiences on your favorite podcast channel. Your review fuels our mission to create engaging and informative content for the construction community. Your feedback is the mortar that holds our podcast together. Share your thoughts, rate us, and let the construction community know why the Construction Life is your go-to podcast. Visit our website and check out the nearly 500 tradespeople and construction professionals listed on the site. Connect with all of them. Check us out at www.theconstructionlife.com for additional content, behind-the-scenes exclusives, and valuable resources. Dive deeper into the construction world with articles, guest profiles, and more. Follow us on Instagram. At TCL underscore the construction life. Follow us on TikTok under the same handle and tweet us at TCL construction. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, check out our link tree, and find exclusive discounts for listeners. Link is in the IG bio. Join the conversation on Facebook, the construction life community. Yes, sir. How many years have you? I guess we're going to talk about cooking. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about culinary. We're going to talk about that whole world. How young are you? Uh, 29. So, Am I fair to say that you've accomplished quite a bit for such a young... I guess when you put it on paper, it does uh, look it that way. It seems like it's pretty sure. uh, hefty CV there, right? Well, I knew I had to take uh, advantage of my youth, of the, the time, the 
lack of maybe bigger responsibilities in life in general and maybe uh, what my body was able to push out. So I wanted to really capitalize on those young years in life and uh, double down on on career and just life in general. How's it working out so far now that you're... Good. It's it's nice to see, especially with the uh, the circle that I mix and work in now, where most people are either five or ten steps ahead, but they're also 10, 20, 30 years older than I am. So I'm not mixing in the same crowds I probably used to be uh, years ago when I first started out. So it's nice to see I've transcended uh, borders within the culinary or the career path world and seeing what uh, more is now out there as I'm transitioning into maybe a new part of life and a new part of my career. So... Is Toronto a good place for food? Is it a eat? great place for food? It's getting there. Um, there's some amazing places definitely to eat in Toronto. Uh, myself, I'm probably more out on the outskirts. There are like, amazing places in Toronto. But I'm out in Brampton, Mississauga, Markham, Scarborough. So there are some uh, beautiful hidden gems um, scattered around the GTA. And I find myself more, uh, more interested in finding those hidden gems and... I don't mind uh, making the drive for, for a good meal. No, I, I'm the exact same way too when you're traveling. Like you'll go, it was a joke back in my 20s when I was your age or whatever. Like <laughs> there was um, there was a particular roti shop that I was in. And Toronto's more of a, you have a, a line drawn when it comes to certain rotis, right? Mm-hmm. Like people are particular about certain places and they'll go and they'll just live by that. That's my roti. That's the best place <laughs> to go to and all this. And they'll just give you a whole spiel. And it's like, you're never going to convince me. This is where I found. This is what I like. Right. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I was doing some construction work and I was in like far north of Stony Creek area. And okay. I'm like, I'm craving a roti. And then we actually made it all the way down to King and Duffer and went to go there and get it. Right. They're no longer there, but okay. because it's a condo now. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I've done the exact same thing. It's like you just trying to find it. I mean, there is a lot of good food in Toronto. But when I say Toronto, it's more about the whole area of Toronto. That's it. It's not necessarily just the the, the core of Toronto, mm-hmm. but it's also sometimes um, disappointing when you have such great expectations for something, you think it's really interesting, and all of a sudden you give it a try for the first time. And I'm never one to be influenced. It, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I want to be walking around the neighborhood, and I want to see something, and I want to see how they captured it. And and for me personally, how the place is presented reflects a lot on how the food tastes for me. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like I get I get a thrill out of that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So then it, I, I'll discover something and I'll walk in. And you know what? I'll look at the menu. I'll take a chance. So no one's Fair. kind of driven me to kind of, you should do this because everybody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that that's probably the same kind of case for yourself where... To, to an extent, um, I work in a very uh, unique industry where I actually have friends that get paid to suss out the best places so there are some people i'll definitely listen to about where to go to eat Mm -hmm. um, because the hype is definitely real about certain places and there's certain people i take their um their perspective very very seriously when it comes to dining out options where if you look at say a broader sense of what society and the general population likes to eat at the hype is normally overhyped so i try Mm. and stay away especially if I see a lineup, 99% of the time, if it's for a club, pizza, whatever it is, I'm going to walk the other way. <laughs> Most of the places that I'm going to are uh, less known to the uh, the average person. So yeah. it's always nice uh, going to those holes in the wall and knowing that it's going to deliver on food. It's, it's It reminds me of a time when I, I traveled to Tokyo and I was in Kyoto. Mm. And they're not really famous for signage okay. of yeah. restaurants. It's true. Right? 
So you could be walking around and you don't realize that there's plenty of places to eat. You just don't know what they are. Mm -hmm. And so you have to take your time to walk around and just discover and take a peek into the window. And then all of a sudden realize that this is a restaurant. And then you walk in and and it's probably the one place in the world that I've ever traveled to that it was the most difficult to get around because I couldn't capture the language. Mm. And it was just difficult to translate into English, right? And so you, you walk in and some of the best places I've ever had was sit down and you let them decide what you're going to eat. And I love it. Absolutely. And I'm missing it right now. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And I love doing all that kind of stuff. I don't necessarily want to see what's already on the menu. I want to see what they think I should be trying out at that moment. So it's whatever they're going to kind of create at that moment. Mm -hmm. And it was such an amazing meal. Right. And it's not the American portions where it's like monstrous. And like, I don't, I never understood that. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm in my youth. I've done the road trips where you're traveling all across Canada, all across the U S and it's just like, you got to just cut these meals in half, right? Like, <laughs> I want flavor. I want taste and all this stuff. Quality over quantity, right? But where did you get started? Like, like how did you get how did you get that interest to just get down this road? Because I've had, I know people that have gone into the culinary world mm-hmm. and left the culinary world because they've said that it's such a cutthroat industry. It is. And then, like, and then some of them have gone into construction, some of them have gone elsewhere, and they're like, you think construction is difficult. Try getting into culinary. Like, it's a very difficult world to be a part of, right? It is, yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, it definitely started, and I definitely would like to say that it's still there based um, from passion. Yeah. So cooking from a very young age at home, um, burning more things than I probably should have at that age, but when you start cooking at probably two or three years old in your parents' kitchen, uh, that is my earliest memory. On top memory. of the chair? On top of the chair. So that is a, a story I do like to share with the students I get to talk to, friends, media. That one of my earliest memories, I think I was about two or three years old, trying to cook a Easter breakfast for, for my my family. I had some family from uh, out of town as well. And I remember waking up uh, my parents at maybe four or five in the morning. They put on one of my favorite movies of all time, Dumbo, and then go back to sleep. They're like, this should uh, have them satisfied for the next hour or so so we can get some shut eye. And then for me, I was very uh, proactive. I still am. And I took the uh, chair over to the stove, hopped on, and I thought the best way to cook bagels was not to use the toaster, but to use the um, old school coil element stoves. Okay. At that age, you're not thinking Grill about, uh, <laughs> right? You're not really thinking about cutting the bread or anything, or even for the fact of taking it out of the plastic bag. Oh. So I ended up just like turning the dials on the stove, putting the whole plastic bag of bagels on the oh. coil element, and then... Next thing you know, that bag engulfs in flames. Still, at that age, I still had the insight to want to put out the fire. So I ran over to the fridge, grabbed the juice jug, poured some juice on the flames. It maybe killed some of it, but then the plastic juice jug ended up on the hot element beside it. So then that caught flames. And next thing you know, we are busting out the uh, fire extinguisher at 6 a.m. Okay. So that's that's definitely where it started. I've come a long way. I've learned how to cook a good bagel uh, in my time. How did the parents react? Were they just, um, as long as everybody's okay, we're all good. That's it. That's all, right? That's it. So there's no major damage to the house. I left with all my eyebrows and yeah. eyelashes and yeah. stuff. So They grow back. Could have been, been a lot worse. Yeah. Um, but maybe that was the first, uh, first sighting for them that I was maybe destined for the kitchen. And from there, just memories of cooking with my parents, with friends, with um, relatives and whatnot. I just loved being around food, more so eating it than cooking it. But when I found out at a pretty young age, I started working professionally at the age of 14. That can do this for a living. I'm like, why not? Let's see what this uh, world have uh, has to offer me. And I've not left the industry since. How does a 14-year-old 
get an opportunity to be working professionally? So I uh, had the opportunity to work at this local Canadian chain-based restaurant, okay. all surrounded um, Tex-Mex cuisine. So some of my favorite things to eat, uh, even to this day, nachos, quesadillas, whatnot. Definitely had sights on making more exquisite kind of dishes than those, but we all have to start somewhere. So my older brother was working at this establishment at the time. And I've always tried to pick up little jobs when I was a kid, if it's car washing jobs, mowing people's lawns, like whatever it was. I, for whatever reason, I've had that hustle in my DNA since, uh, since a young kid. And he uh, let me know, he's like, hey, like, we're hiring a dishwasher. This is the entry level. We all been. That's it. Yeah. Um, he's like, what are your thoughts? I'm like, just get me in there. Let's just get it going. Um, little did I know is that he brought me in so he can get promoted. So okay. he, he, he graduated from hand washing dishes. <laughs> exactly. Story of my life. Hand-me-downs uh, still, still to this day. But so at the age of 14, washing dishes in this family-style restaurant. Um, but you're hearing the kitchen sounds. Everything. You're, you're seeing all the fun that yes. my brother and all their friends are having. And I'm yes. just like, I want some of that. Yeah. Like, why am I wet doing these dishes? And it's, just, it's not glamorous. I still wash dishes. It's a big part of my job and my day-to-day -day life now. Still hate every second of it, but I knew. Just show that I had the chops to get that work done, mm -hmm. and eventually I'll be online. And within a few months before my 15th birthday, I was online cooking with the other quote-unquote chefs, if you will, making quesadillas and nachos and, uh, and whatnot. And I remember my kitchen manager at the time asking me on my 15th birthday how old I turned. And he's like, I'm like 15. He's like, there's no way we hired a 14-year-old. I'm like, well, you did. You did. I guess it's kind of, it's illegal in this country to ask how old you are. I had all the paperwork, I had my SIN number. So it's just like, yeah, I was willing to work and here I am, right? So definitely got, um, I'll say, exposed to a very interesting part of life and seeing the kind of characters that come through uh, that business model. So for a 14-year-old, you grow up uh, pretty quick, both professionally and personally. But I just love the environment. Was it a Loved step it. up of fast food, I guess? Yeah, so it's definitely not like your casual, it's not like your Burger King or your McDonald's, no, 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 but it's, it's like, I would say like casual fast food, yeah. if you will. Yeah, so it's definitely like a sit down restaurant, but it's still for like high turnover rate. Now, is it true, I, I, I remember reading years ago that some very big chefs, big players, mm -hmm. would just have like a fast food meal every so often because they just are constantly cooking these certain dishes. Mm -hmm. And I would just, I would hear these stories and I started doing some research on it and it was actually true like they would they would do these amazing meals for people mm -hmm. and they would spend so much time and work and effort on it and all of a sudden once they're completed and it's been presented and it's been consumed and everything's all happy and they would leave and then go across the street to a fast food joint and just get a burger and fries because they don't consume that all that often mm -hmm. but they just still have some value in that kind of food that they see because they're so used to creating these other works of art you know what i mean for for other people so just is that kind of happen in the in that world of people this show is brought to you by Payne's window manufacturing window shopping revolutionized seeking top tier windows look no further Payne's window manufacturing is the ultimate choice for custom builders contractors and homeowners visit www.paynes.com now to experience the pinnacle of quality and customization get your instant custom quote today Elevate excellence with us, plus enjoy nationwide shipping across Canada and the U.S. I would say yes, de definitely depending on the individual, where I think for me it, it might have been more out of like necessity because when you finish your restaurant gig and you're done at 1 or 2 a.m., 
It's only so many places that you can go to exactly. eat at those times, right? Yeah. Could I, would I want to go out for a better prepared meal that's maybe a bit more nourishing? 100%. Yeah. Is it that the reality? Not always. So do I crave junk food and or like fast food once in a while? Sure. But is that part of my day-to-day life? No. Not a chance. No. Not but it's it. okay to have that memory bank. Oh, without a doubt. To the foreground, right? Without a doubt. Like everyone has memories of hitting the fast food on road trips yes. and whatnot. Yes. Me and all my siblings, we did a lot of, uh, played a lot of competitive soccer growing up. All me and my uh, three siblings. So we were on the road a lot, and I would say Subway had a special place in our family's heart. <laughs> so not as bad. Which particular sandwich? I'm curious. It's funny because I still get the same one to this day. It's the cold cut combo. That's it, huh? I don't know why. It's it's so simple. I get every single ingredient possible just put it on, on it. I'm just loaded up. Hit me with the sauces, but I've had that since the age of toasted eight. Toasted or not toasted? Always toasted. Always toasted. I want the texture of that okay. crispy bread. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but that's but, what I mean is yeah. we have those memory bank moments and it's kind of, it's good that it's there and it's, it's a little sad when it disappears when certain establishments go away, right? That's it. And that's why it's, thank God, Subway's still open. There yeah. is the like, once in a blue moon, I still have it to this day, but yeah, it's just always, always good memories and it just makes me think of those road trips with the family. I'd love to get into your thought process on, because I've always been a huge, obviously this is a construction podcast, but we've had lots of other people that are not directly related to construction on the show. And I've always been vocal about, I don't like home kitchens. I don't Mm. like photographic, beautiful, pristine, clean looking kitchens that when I see them, sure, they look like a beautiful photograph, Mm -hmm. but they're not a very functional kitchen. If you're an actual cook, if you actually want to prepare, whether it's for your family, for a function, for just a date night or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get your insight on, I think that a lot of what's going on in the commercial side of establishments, their kitchens should be integrated into home kitchens. I definitely think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very lucky to work within those realms of seeing that kind of bridge. Um, People that have, one, the money, um, two, maybe just the the pride and joy around hosting parties and bringing the kind of talent that would want that kind of setup to work with. Yeah. So bringing maybe industrial hood vents or having stainless steel counters or maybe a better range to work with, da da da. right? So for me, it goes without saying. I'm desperately trying to push right? for stainless steel countertops. Nobody wants it in residential. <sighs> but everybody clean, has it in, 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 in your, your favorite restaurant, your favorite tourist destination that you go to. It's stainless steel countertops. Yeah, but then at the same time, uh, some of the places I've been work, uh, I've worked at now have transitioned out of maybe the stainless steel in the back, and they've created these more like professional still because it's a restaurant, but they've made them look more like show kitchens. Yes. So they don't have that industrial touch. So I've seen the marble countertops or the beautiful woodworking being done. So I feel there is a cool bridge to be made where it's not too industrial looking, but it still has that kind of sex appeal, but the um, practicality of it as well. Have you built yours? In the no. progress of building yours? I would love... Are you starting to build a book on what yours will look like? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Can you share some details, just some elements of what you think that you see yours and what should be in a as, kitchen? As a home kitchen? As a home kitchen, yes. Mm. As a home kitchen. I would say definitely one of my dreams would be to have a walk-in fridge and a walk-in freezer at my house. Um, it would be really nice. Uh, my, my current fridge right now backs into my, uh, my garage. So it'd be nice to have like a three-car garage and then have the walk-in going into the garage. So you're not taking up too much prime real estate indoors. Inside the house. And you can still have your classic, say, residential fridge door size, but you just walk into it. So very unassuming. But the fact that you can walk in, one for storage, there's, 
it's not like I'm cooking for a hundred people at my house every day, but I'll be honest, like I'm dry aging ducks at my house right now. Cause that's just what I like to eat. Yeah. If I'm going to cook it for myself, I'm going to do it the right way. Are you making both of them the same size? Would you make the refrigeration and the freezer the exact same size or one's going to no, be No, I probably do. Actually, you know what? I probably do them the same now that you because say that. Because you're dry aging, like you're... There's so much for just dry aging, pickling, fermenting, yes. and just like for like day-to-day storage yeah. for like close to immediate consumption, but then even just for long-term like preservation where... Yeah, it's nice to dry stuff or maybe can stuff more like older school techniques, but I'm not against freezing stuff as long as it's frozen in the right way to really help for preservation matters, right? So there are a lot of unique ingredients I've brought in over the years where sometimes the best way to to hold on to that is to freeze it. And my freezer is kind of packed right now, I won't lie. (laughs) All right, so that takes care of that side. Um, Are you a gas, you induction, are you both? I love cooking on gas. I had this exact conversation with a, a chef friend yesterday we love gas but we love how it is how easy it is to clean induction it's incredibly easy it's just wiped down done. Yeah. and you know what in my house i put induction easy to clean it doesn't generate the same heat doesn't offer the same kind of maybe liabilities that could happen with a gas leak da 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 but for me i'm like okay i would have induction but if i can have a charcoal grill inside as well built into the counter you can goes back to the dollar value that's it. But you can do that. <laughs> and I mean, I'm starting to see those now where you're starting to come in and throwing that in the middle, right? If you've yeah. got a large enough area for it. That's it. So one, my main thing would be to have the space for everything. If I can have a, a charcoal barbecue inside my house to use year round, I think that would probably you be one totally of my, do that. my main You would just things. need the ductwork to, to just get it out of there as quickly yep. as possible without having that environment. Yeah, you don't want to be uh, suffocating on that smoke by, no, <laughs> by any not. means. But I think it'd be uh, pretty sick to fire that up, uh, especially when it's minus 40 sometimes. Oh, I totally Toronto, do, right? Right? Because, <laughs> I mean, here being in Canada, we're so used to trying to get our footwear on properly to go onto the patio or the deck or whatever to get to the barbecue to actually do it on the barbecue just so you can experience that there. That's well, it. Why not do it inside? So I'm hoping one day uh, time and space and money comes my way to, uh, to build that. But let's not get that twist. I'm still barbecuing when it's minus 20 out here. I still make the track out there. Of course. My right? family think I'm nuts. The but flavor's flavor, right? Hey, some people don't get it. <laughs> like make the jerk chicken in the oven. I'm like, it's good, but it can, but be, it better. can be better. Thank you. <laughs> so Thank I'm you. just saying, there's so many. You know what? Can you please um, just finalize a dispute? Because I've always had an argument about putting a cooktop in an island. I never saw the purpose of putting a cooktop in an island. Okay. Because of the hood. Mm. And then the argument becomes you get into a client that wants to do a downdraft hood. And downdraft hoods are completely useless. I'm not a big fan. Yeah, I know. Because they don't serve the purpose of what you... If you're really cooking, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So like you can never do that charcoal inside there. You can no. never do a, a no. steak inside. You'll never be able to do that. And that's where it's that bridge of like show kitchen or practicality. Yes. Right? It's a balance. So, I don't know. I personally... like I've seen it in show kitchen shows. I'm like, hey, this is great. But then the smoke, the steam, whatever. It's just going straight up into the air and they maybe have the hood fence 20, 20 feet up in the air too, too far away and what's it really doing servicing the purpose no. so, so i rather why. have it on the back and then just have all that counter space in the world now do you i mean okay what should every home have i want to get into some utensils like some some proper like what should you have i mean i know that a lot of people not all of us can afford copper cookware Mm-hmm. you know what i mean but there's other options as well and i use stainless steel myself that's it huh yeah I, I always no matter what it is if it's building out the infrastructure for the kitchen or the gadgets that come into it 
I like working with quality. Buy it once, and that's all you need. It might be a higher price point, but am I wrong tell. to say like I, like all of my pan and my grilling, like uh, just roasting and everything, it's all stainless steel, is what I've done, right? Yep. And it's not that difficult to clean. No, it's it, a little bit of elbow grease, but then it gets clean. Well, and that's it. And like, and this is the one like I would say the best tip I would give anyone is find out your local professional culinary store. Don't and like this is no shot of the brand. Like, don't be going to Walmart to buy your Betty Crocker no, stuff. No, 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 no. Yeah, I might have the odd Betty Crocker spatula, which has its place. But like, I have all industrial cutting boards. I have the sheet trays, the wire racks, all of them. One, half the time they're kind of cheaper, and two, they're ten times more robust. And then if you just throw on your parchment paper, your tin foil, taking those little steps, so you don't have to put in that extra work when it comes to cleaning. To clean it, easy. It's simple at that point. And that's and it's just they are made. Perfectly to fit in ovens, the parchments made perfectly to fit the trays. They all stack well in the cupboards. It's not like you have to go looking for the exact same brand so everything fits in your kitchens when you're buying all these different uh, tools from different places. Culinary stools, professional kitchens, it's been the same forever. So I know if I'm buying it tomorrow or ten years from now, it's going to be it's the exact be the same. same thing. So it's almost you're just you're replacing it because it got damaged or it got it's just toast at that point. That's it. And I've had pieces of equipment if it's hotel pan street trays for five, ten plus years. I'm I'm curious about okay so what was um when you eventually learned and mm-hmm. went away from bagels and burning bags <laughs> and, and ju- jugs of juices what was the meal that kind of just started setting the tone for you that this became you so I would say there's two big instances in my career that I can think back where okay. there were like individual bites and or meals that I'm just like light bulb like this is what can be done with food this is insane so one was I was maybe about eight nine years old. And we went out for, I think it was Mother's Day brunch or something at this gorgeous hotel in my hometown, um, originally born and raised in Ottawa. Okay. So this was a glamorous hotel that was just newly built at the time. A big, like, highly acclaimed chef was running the place. Gorgeous. And I didn't really grow up going to these places too often. So when you had the opportunity to actually be in a place like that, you really soak it in. Amazing meal. Desserts come out. And it's like a classic chocolate mousse. And then they put down this, like, see-through type looking spoon. I'm like, what's this about? Chef comes out, says his two words, and I ask him, what's this spoon? He's like, oh, the spoon's actually made out of sugar. So it's robust. Like, they've heated up the sugar, candied it the same way a hard lollipop would, pop would be. So it's got some, like, structural integrity to it. So you can break through the mousse and eat it, and then he's like, then you can eat the spoon. So I was like an eight, nine-year-old. I'm losing my mind. I'm like, You're in heaven. What, this what is, is amazing. Right? Yeah. And like, I'm still a kid to this day when it comes to those little whimsical things. So from that point, I'm like, okay, if this is what can be done, I want it. Like, when the time comes, let's dive into that. Years pass after making the quesadillas, burning bagels, and so on. <laughs> there was another opportunity I worked with uh, one of my favorite chefs in Ottawa. Funny enough, he didn't have a, uh, the name of the restaurant on the front of the restaurant for 10 years. So like you were saying in Kyoto, a lot of people didn't know that this place There's existed. There's something to it. We, hey, we loved it. Yeah. I'm, I'm sad that he put the name on it, mm, but okay. we, he made the reputation without it. So I think that's Good. where it really matters. But the dish in mind, um, I did an internship at the restaurant um, during my time in culinary school, and he had an edible helium balloon on the menu. So I was 17, 18 years old, and I'm like, it's this tank in the corner. It's, it's helium. Like, okay, like, what's this for? He's like, oh, it's for one of our last courses. We did a 12-course blind tasting menu at this restaurant that they were, they were famous for. And then he's got this warm sugar mixture on the side, takes the helium uh, tank tube, dips it in, and dispenses the helium into this mixture. 
So he basically blows up a balloon made out of sugar, sure. puts on an edible string, and I just see these servers take two of these balloons and walk them out to the dining room. I'm like, this is mental. And he's like, you have to try one. I'm like, of course. I eat it, sugary, tastes like orange blossom, beautiful fruit roll-up type-esque string. And then you have that childlike uh, experience of having your voice on helium for about 30 <laughs> seconds. So when you have grown men, business uh, people, if you will, coming into this restaurant, spending X amount, wine pairings, the whole thing, and then you finish your uh, menu with an edible healing balloon. And you encourage someone to speak right away. Oh, yes. And, so and you it's, can, it's and you have that moment again. And people love it. Yeah. It's that nostalgia, right? And the fact that you can bring that back with food in such a playful and joyful way. And not many places can pull off, one, that caliber of dining, and two, that creativity. For me, I'm like, this is, that was another light bulb. I'm like, this is insane. Are they still doing that? They're still doing they're that still to doing this day. Yeah. So they've transitioned. Instead of doing a 12 course, they're now offering a 44 course menu. So definitely uh, when up, you leave, up the ante. When you, leave, you don't leave. I don't think you leave. You, you might camp out for a couple <laughs> of days. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the chef, they're hyper uh, creative, seeing the stuff that he's uh, come together, pulling in the world of like science and cooking itself. It's, it's a gastronomic experience. And it's just really cool to see what can be done on that side of realm uh, with cooking, right? Herbs and spices, like what should someone have? What should someone always have at, like, I, I, you can ask Italian people, you can ask European people. We already know what they have plant-wise and that's already in the kitchen and then mm. it's outside during the summer months, right? But what should we have around? What are we not having around that we should have? Since 2015, Groove has been built off the foundation of experience, innovation, and the continued desire to evolve how work is done even after the trade has mastered it. The people at Groove have more than 40 years of experience in the drywall and construction industry. Their commitment to both the growth of the company and the individuals Groove simply calls clients is unparalleled. Their mission is to empower builders, designers, and architects with the freedom to build on their designs, to encompass creativity in all of their projects without sacrificing quality, efficiency, or affordability. They accomplish this by providing production-focused solutions and design workflows that allow builders to overcome their construction limitations through drywall. They see drywall in a different way. Innovate, inspiration, integrity. Groove Industries. Check out Groove Industries at www.grooveind.com and on social at grooveind and reach out to them on their email orders at grooveind.com or steve at grooveind.com and andre j at grooveind.com and also their phone number is 416-629-3756. I'm biased based on my, uh, my South Asian descent. My spice cabinet is pretty aggressive. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming. Um, right? I have probably about 15 different types of peppercorns where people are just familiar with the one type of black peppercorn that we see already like, diced or like, crushed up on yeah, our, yeah, yeah. in our shakers on the tables, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, where yeah. I have so many different types and I've dialed it in to be pulling in these spices from around the world, knowing the smaller nuances of it and how to utilize that in my cooking. So I think two of the most underutilized things that I like to showcase the most is the use of fresh herbs. And I hate using dried herbs. Like mm -hmm. I don't. And then spices. And a little bit of those things and the right ones being used can go such a long way. One, from a flavor standpoint. Two, from almost like sometimes a medical standpoint as well. There's so many ways to utilize that for both flavor, fun, and just health and lifestyle in general. Where for me, I think that's probably the best part. 
How are you keeping the fresh herbs all year round in Canada? So that's the hardest part. Yeah. So I have my beautiful garden throughout the summer, okay. and then I just have to find the right suppliers to work with um, with the fresh herbs. So a lot of them you can find at, say, your more average local grocery stores, yeah. which are probably more of your classic, say, French or Italian herbs. But then I'm looking at other stuff that we might use more so in the Eastern world. So if you're thinking about Thai basil or culantro or whatnot, so I have to go to specific grocery stores. If it's West African grocery stores or different types of Chinese or Japanese grocery stores, I really go to these places. And it's part of the fun for me mm -hmm. to suss out the right places and getting these uh, these fresh herbs. Because as basic as the saying goes, fresh is best. It is. It is. And it's funny how I've been seeing a lot of uh, an uptick on live walls, right? So a lot of homeowners are putting mm -hmm. greenery in their live walls. And every time I look at it these days, I'm looking at it. Why don't we just put herbs in these things? honestly i'm just yeah. like it's it's already irrigated mm -hmm. you're designing it you're waterproofing it you're setting it all up properly and the fragrance alone would be really nice year-round like you're talking about in this in the winter months now at that point mm -hmm. it would actually be really nice to do that so it's something to consider that's why i mean oh, i keep on sure. trying to evolve the kitchen mm -hmm. i'm trying to get away from pitcher quality kitchens i don't i like feel you can have both i feel too many people lean towards that way yes and it's just like, I've been in people's houses where it's just like, oh, our practical kitchen's in the back. This is our show kitchen. The oven doesn't turn on. I'm like, okay, well, your oven costs more than my car. <laughs> Crazy. Um, and it's designed to be used. That's, that's the other the thing, right? The attached to the yeah. oven. So I, the I, I, I don't get it. Like, I get it, but I don't. So if you can bridge uh, the two worlds together, sure. I love a beautiful, aesthetically pleasing kitchen. And mine is pretty aesthetically pleasing, but... You can tell work is being done in there. We're seeing the growth of the ranges now. Like in my day, because I'm a little older than yourself, I'm in my 50s. It's like a 30-inch range was the typical thing. And mm -hmm. then the craziness all of a sudden started coming into wall ovens. And then you had the 30-inch cooktop, yeah. right? But now I start looking at certain things. And it's like, it's almost a bare minimum 36 plus the wall ovens, right? Mm -hmm. And you start growing at that point. But I, I remember there was a builder on the show once and he, was, he brought me to a house and it was eight feet long and he was Jeez. he was just a chef and he just loved it he actually consumed part of the family living front room hmm. to make the kitchen go into it wild because he just wanted and it was just a restaurant it was just set up it was eight oh. feet of burners and ovens and range all yeah. stainless steel and i was like this is absolutely insane <laughs> i love it it's yeah. great but i mean i hope he uses it that's that's, that's the thing it. about it because i don't like wasted space no especially based on the places I've worked at the pace that we're working at with the pressure, every step, every single movement matters. So if I have to take an extra three steps just because I've wanted this extra space, but I'm not using it, that's cutting into precious time. Which makes me ask you about where do we put everything? Like where does it, everyone is always particular. And I always see people that start building kitchen cabinetry and all these little nooks and crannies and mm -hmm. all these little cool compartments, but they're not fully hundred percent functional for the act of cooking. That's what I have a problem with. And we go back to that, what we've been discussing most of the time is just like, there's that balance. You're mm -hmm. trying to figure out how, and you have to really get into the homeowner. You have to figure out how they, as a couple, man, That's woman, it. whatever. It's like, it's a, you have to figure out how they cook for each other or for guests. And you got to see, where do they reach? Yeah. Like, what do they want to grab onto? And how do they want to, do they prefer one side of the of the, the cooktop? Do mm -hmm. they prefer, like, that's all, these are all things that have to be asked and answered. And that's all down to personal preference, right? Yes. That's that's the hardest part. And where, like, for me, I have my cooktop under my range. And then I know, I'm like, I'm going to have the tools I'm going to use to cook with right beside it. I have the tools on the island side and maybe the spices for all the prep work there. 
I have my cutlery and my plates situated near my dishwasher or my sink, so it's just easy access. It's just one easy steps. I know I'm not walking across the kitchen to put plates away if the dishwasher's on this side. It's all those little things because I think about it, if it's my work or not, every second matters or every motion matters. So if I can just do stuff and it's just second, uh, second nature, easier for me. I want to get, I'd love to get into some food and just cooking and what you like to do and what little tricks that you may have shared already or you haven't shared uh, from what I've, I've come across. But I mean, what do you want? What do you want to begin with? I mean, we could just start with a meal and you could just pick something if you want to choose and, and, and how you prepare certain things and how you look at it that you do it differently. Yeah. Uh, may, like, so, oh, you know what? Yeah. Let's do this. How about this? It's okay. How about a family? Let's okay. do early morning family, holiday, simple meal. Not mm-hmm. talking the whole, everybody's coming over, just the immediate family. Immediate family. So now you're feeding kids and you're feeding adults. Mm-hmm. What are we making for the breakfast? For the breakfast. So hard to say because I'm not a big breakfast guy. I love my I'm smoothies. Not. I don't. I'm just, I'm in yeah. a boy. So I'm in the evening all the time. And mm. I have a big, big meal at the evening, right? Fair. So that's how I'm been going these days. And I don't have a family. So I don't need to feed any mouths. <laughs> easy, yeah, easy work, right? <laughs> For me, it'd be, it's, oh, I would always like to have something light, but full of nutrients. Yeah. I'm a big person of yogurt, berries, preserves, um, and then just trying to build off that. I don't like to have too much sugar in the breakfast, so I'm not big on Western-style breakfasts when you're thinking of the pancakes, the whipped cream, nope. the waffles, nope. the syrup. For me, it, I hit the gym probably five, six days a week, and it's early morning. So for me to have something like that that's full of the wrong type of calories, at least for me, I'm not going to be uh, doing my best. And I would want the same for my partner, my future kids to have the same kind of lifestyle. Yeah. So something that's going to pack you full of energy and stuff, but that's not going to weigh you down. I don't want to wake up, have breakfast, and then want to go back to sleep. Well, I mean, once in a while, <laughs> uh, like once in a very long while, probably once a year, I'll do my version of French toast where I use hard dough bread. Okay. I just love the thickness of and the density of yeah. hard dough bread. And I know that a lot of people have been talking about using brioche bread. And then just mm. like... I, I get it. And it's just when I see other people just take a slice of Wonder Bread and I'm like, you're just psycho on the wrong planet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's an opportunity here to use a, a different kind of bread to mm-hmm. make this uh, like something different completely. Yeah. So that's once in a while. That's once in a long while, right? So, I mean, okay, so that would be like a breakfast. What about for lunch? What are you doing? Oh, lunch. So lunch, I try to have probably my biggest meal of the day. Um so I always try, I definitely try to have a balanced meal if it's your veggies, your starches and your proteins, um, if it's plant-based or animal-based itself. But just trying to think even like if it's like, like pan-seared salmon, salad with some couscous, quinoa, maybe some roasted potatoes, easy stuff like that. So if it's me, I'm always on the go. If it's both professionally or personally, I always try to have things done ahead of time just to maybe cut things down. Yeah. So if it's potatoes, for example, you can always, I like to parboil my potatoes and then you can air fry them. You can hit them in a pan to get them crispy. You can roast them in the oven. So they're already halfway cooked. Yeah. Um, salmon, pretty easy to cook. Um, as you go, salad dressings, I always have dressings on the go. Or I do something simple with like balsamic and or red wine vinegar and olive oil. I'm I'm pretty low maintenance as a as an individual, but I want to make sure that I'm hitting all the right food groups. I want to have that balance, especially as a post workout kind of meal. I want to make sure that I'm fueling my body with yep. the right stuff. So yeah. definitely nothing too crazy. Um, one thing I would say is a staple in my fridge is uh, bone broth. 
Mm-hmm. So I have chicken stock uh, made from roasted chicken bones and chicken feet that's in my fridge, I would say 24-7. So I have a cup of that one for just the nutritional benefits that that offers, the added protein. It can fill you up. So as like a little snack maybe throughout the day. Yeah. But then I also use that as a base. So instead of- preparing that once a week or- Oh, a couple times a week. A couple of times a week. At least, okay. yeah. Um, so I use that as a base if I'm, say, glazing my carrots. You throw a tiny bit of chicken stock in there, maybe a cube of butter, get that glazed in. When I, I made rice the other day, instead of using water, I used chicken stock. Hmm. So I just think of those ways, one, maybe to add nutrients, but for me, flavor. Flavor. Is my rice going to taste better with chicken stock it's or water? It's going to taste a lot better. Right? Yeah. So it's just those little things that I make sure that I always have on deck that could add a little bit of flavor to it. And now dinner. Okay, so dinner, I'm a big rice guy. Okay. So I love having rice bowls of rice as a base and then just making maybe stir fries or bowls of just whatever is lying around. Maybe it's leftover chicken from the night before or it's just a medley of vegetables. Um, I uh, eat, I love mushrooms. I love just greens in general. So just using like uh, starch like rice or quinoa or potatoes as a base, it's really easy to prepare and just have on hand and then just making something quick go with it. Um, even for work, I have a lot of sauces and stuff that are frozen and ready to pull. So if it's an Indian curry, if it's a Thai-based sauce, or if I'm going to do a quick um, like Vietnamese kind of marinade on uh, meat and grill it quickly, there's all those things. I just like to have like certain staples I can go to pull for flavor in, in a second. So instead of uh, five hours long, I'm preparing a meal. I know I can just pull out this sauce or that marinade or that hot sauce, and boom, you have instant flavor with all the nutrients behind but it. How as much well. time are you spending? Like that's that's going to be my next segue here to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's just like it, I I cringe when I see people in the industry just Uber eating and. <sighs> It, it kills me. I can't stand it. It's just like you're missing. It. But I also understand that they work long hours. They work long days. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's like you get home and now you got to prepare food or you expect your significant other to have the food prepared and get it ready. Yeah. But there is a way. Like I've had, you know, fitness people on the show and we've been talking a lot about how it's just meal prep and food prep. And it's, you, it's part of your schedule. The way you go to the gym or you, you schedule your business and you go to work, mm-hmm. you schedule your time to cook things and prep things to get it all ready. Without a doubt. And... Maybe I'm lucky because I've trained for years on how to prep in advance, right? So you, you got some skills. <laughs> a little bit, I yeah. like to say. But like, I think, like, I look at whenever I go shopping, say it's a Sunday I'm going out shopping, I think about what am I doing for the next five to, say, seven days until I can go to do another big shop again. Yeah. I think about what errands do I have, what meetings, if I'm out that day or night, and da-da-da, and plan accordingly. So I know... If, for example, I had chicken. I have a whole chicken that I'm going to do like a Sunday roast on the Sunday evening. Got the chicken earlier this week. I brined it. Now I'm dry aging it. And then I know it's going to be perfect to roast on, on Sunday. But it's just those little steps. I know when to buy it. I know how long it's going to be in each of those processes. And then I know they'll have everything in place for that. So then what I do, and that's more of like a simplistic kind of meal. I'm not building out any big sauces or gravies and whatnot. But there are times where I do crave those flavors or dishes. So when I do them, I make them in bulk. So it's like a, a play on like a mother sauce where every time I might be making like a, a new red Thai curry, for example, I have a sauce that I've probably used for the last five, 10 years, and I freeze a tiny bit of it back. I make more than I need, freeze some of it, and I just use that as a mother. So instead of me having that 
sitting on the stove for five hours or whatever, reducing and infusing flavors. Pull that the night before, defrost it, just mix that in, has all that base flavor, and then just keep that going. So I have all these mothers, if you will, for all these different sauces and marinades to just bring those flavors and cutting down that time. Now I'm understanding why the walk-in fridge and freezer. That's it. But <laughs> it, and it just it's crazy because I can definitely tell a difference, but when the average person can tell a difference of those flavors... No, they won't be able to. They're going to still experience it. Like, you just spent the time and effort to yeah. do all this stuff. Which is amazing, yes right? Yes and no. I did and I didn't. But at least it's it's like it's flavor. It's taste. That's it. And I want to have that depth and those layers of flavor. And you can't always do that in 20 minutes. But for me to now learn these tricks and whatnot to pull out those flavors and, and so on, if people are coming over or you're just busy, I'm like, okay, I can just pull something like out of my back pocket and it can still uh still shine yeah it's a it's a good skill to have for sure what's the go-to dessert for you quickly turn digital measurements into efficient gains for your business with iGuide, you can turn around dwg floor plans within 48 hours easily share project files with partners and create 3d walkthroughs for your clients stop struggling with inaccurate measurements manual processes and inefficient project planning and collaboration discover how you can boost productivity and cut costs with a virtual demo Visit www.goiguide.com forward slash AEC to connect with an iGuide specialist. So I am not, as you, you can probably tell, I don't, I don't eat a lot yeah, of sweets. No, no, it's, 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 but, but you, I'm, I'm sure that you enjoy Definitely making don't. sweets. Oh, yes. For and other people to enjoy. I love ice cream. Okay. I would say I got the um, Ferrari of ice cream makers. So that definitely makes it uh, pretty fun to play around with when it comes to recipe uh, development and whatnot. And what kind of ice creams are you making here? So I definitely love my fruit-based ones. So if they're gelatos and or sorbets, I like really like clean tasting yes. um, kind of desserts in general. So if they're fruit-based, especially when you're thinking summertime, if it's like a peach sorbet, raspberry, maybe with some chocolate on it. But there are times where as basic as it is, I love cookies and cream i love my salted caramel or matcha or something so i definitely always have some type of ice cream uh in the freezer for for when those uh that that uh craving hits and just enjoying the actual ice cream itself you're not that's adding it. i'm any, not no. you're not dressing it and dancing it around i'm a, I'm a purist just enjoy it yeah there's yeah. like and a lot a lot of people will laugh like i love a good vanilla ice cream i'm a sucker for affogato so having a little shot of espresso with my vanilla ice cream I don't need the sprinkles, the whipped creams it. and all yeah. that. It's just those little things. And when I'm using, I'm bringing like amazing vanilla in from the single origin farm out in Uganda. So it's like it's the best vanilla you've ever tasted. So just that bean and that ice cream, that's all I need. I don't mm. need all this other like bells and whistles. So for me, it's just like bringing in that amazing base quality pro like products and ingredients to work with and just let it shine. I guess it's like a little bit of a disappointment at first when they see it, but they're like, just have a taste. It. just try it <laughs> and that's where it's a lot of fun for me now going through the years it's all young chefs are like what can we add to a dish what can we add what can we add what can we add if it's for presentation if it's for flavor it's for texture but as you get into those higher realms of techniques or just the thought process around food we're taught at those highest realms it's not what can we add is what can we take away the less that's on the plate like technically in theory of touches or maybe of flavors in a sense let's just let those things shine so when i create my menus or my dishes it's two or three technical like ingredients or flavors there's months years or weeks that go into making those kind of um, touches if you will but it's just three things in theory has it become a world of um 
presentation over taste? With social media, 100%. It's unfortunate, and though. It hurts my soul. Because I've, I've read recent articles of people that have opened stuff in this city and beyond where it's just like, oh, we live in the era of Instagram and TikTok and the eyes eat first. And I believe that to an extent. But like, if your flavor is missing, if the, um, the skill set is gone, if it doesn't taste good, if it doesn't feel right in the mouth, like I don't care how good it looks. I'm sorry if it... But on social media, though, that's basically the... And that's, and so I'm like, and that's why I love, because you see a lot of mediocre restaurants or food-based establishments, beautiful marketing. They have nailed down social media smart. marketing or they're taken smart. the right photos. Perfect. Then you go eat the product and it's dog shit. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's just, eventually the, the truth will come out. Where you know, I know places that have no social media presence. They don't do any marketing, but word gets around because the food is actually good. And then vice versa. I've seen the best marketing and then the restaurant's you still have empty. To survive though because that's it. It's just getting through that hump, it's right? It's a challenge, right? And I, I guess it must have been a little bit of a challenge for you for the funny years that we had where it was unfortunate. It got to the point where I was so sick and tired and one of my favorite places in Toronto, I just said, I understand the stupid rules that are being applied here, mm-hmm. but if I bring my own alcohol and I bring my own table and chairs and I park it right in front of your establishment, will you bring the food to me as if it's being <laughs> takeout? Yeah. And they said, yeah, technically that works. And that's exactly what I did because I had enough of this. Yeah. I wanted to enjoy myself in a social environment at that mm. point. And it was just, it's just, it kind of dug at me at that point where I just, I don't, I go around like that walking thing. I, I want to just discover and, and I, I don't want to pay attention to. So I don't follow many, mind you. And I think a lot of people know this that I've spoken to. I do seven day fasts and cleanses right mm-hmm. and on the sixth and seventh day all i do is stare at meat videos on social media <laughs> it's just a torturing thing for me to do because i'm preparing for my first day of eating yeah. again right but i just i swear you can smell everything off the screen at that point right because you haven't tasted anything for five six days right but it's i i'd love to get from you what are some of your favorite places here in toronto and Ooh. also around the world too so I would say one favorite one of my favorite cuisines in general would be Japanese. One based on my affinity for the technique, the love, and the passion that the Japanese put into their culture and their cuisine in general. Mm. Having the opportunity to travel through that country itself um, opened my eyes to see just how dialed in it is. And like you said, it's just the respect. And I I had this conversation yesterday. The respect in the Western world, more so, I would find, in at least in Canada, the respect on the culinary arts and the craft of food and hospitality is not there. You tell somebody that you're a doctor in this country, amazing, you're going to get a standing ovation. You tell somebody that you're a service worker within the food and hospitality realm, you're dismissed. Well, yeah. You know, you're a disappointment. I agree with you, yeah. But then I've worked in London, I've worked in Copenhagen, I've been to Hong Kong, I've been to Japan, and chefs people that work within those realms you're held as gods and not in a toxic kind of way that maybe media has shown it to be in say north america hollywood like wise but what you can do with food to nourish people and to bring those flavors to the table it's amazing so when you're going to places like you said in kyoto and you're just letting the chef do his thing for me that is the best way to eat last thing i want to do is order off a menu no i want like and there's time and a place for different types of business models but for me i'm like if i can go out you can just do your thing, so be it. And that's how I work with creatives of all realms. If it's when I was working with a guy designing the logo, if I'm working with people maybe doing renos on my house, I might have a base ideal on certain things, but I'm like, 
this is your world. You want someone do to your steer thing. you. Yes. Do your thing. Like, and it's I'm, the same thing for food. And that's how I have my clients approach me. Yeah. The only thing you have to do is tell me that you want me to come in and I'll take care of the rest. That's it. And that's where it's, it's fun for people working in those creative realms. So favorite places to eat. Well, just, in, I just, I oh. get the sense that based on you're right, the social media aspect is almost like a new place or a new idea or a revised idea is being presented on a daily basis. And I'm like, how about I just still focus on two months ago? I haven't even had experience that yet. I exactly. don't want to try it, right? So what's new? What's new? What's yeah. new? What's new? And there's always the go-tos. Like, I'll still, like, there's certain, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm like, me personally, I still enjoy Albert's stew chick, uh, stew beef. Yeah? Like, I'll, for whatever <laughs> reason, I'll go there and that gravy there is just something to do with that beef there is good. And the way it. they do it. And I'm like, okay, it's good. I'll get it once in a while. But there's certain places that I found that I would just go to all the time. And I'll keep going back to because I know it tastes exactly the same. That's the consistency, right? <laughs> consistency is key. Yeah. Not maybe consistency in flavor, but in execution of it. Yes. Right? Where yes. there's places I know this will be on the menu forever because it's a staple. And then there's some things that are going to come and go as seasons change, da-da-da. But it's just the consistency of the effort and the skill set that they're putting out. So if we're thinking, say, more locally for Toronto, there's this Vietnamese spot. I'm not going to try and... Butcher the name, okay, maybe no, we can put it well, in the, about the caption. The or like, so oh, they cross. opened up a new location up in Etobicoke, I believe, that I have not been to yet, but their OG spot is in Saga, close to Toronto Pearson. Okay. It is a go-to for mine if it's before or after a flight. If they're open, that is where me and my family are going. Amazing pho, the grilled lemongrass chicken with the crispy like, coconut rice. It's just, it's amazing. The decor in there, the service is top-notch, and the flavors have never disappointed. Another place, um, Sunny Chinese. So a new take on comfort regional Chinese dishes down in Kensington Market. Chef did an amazing job, like, actually dialing into, like, traditional Chinese cooking. And not to be racist or disrespectful for a white man doing Chinese food, I'm like, some pretty great places to go to in Spadina or Toronto in general. And Chef Dave does, does it well and it's one of my favorite places to go to and these are places i know like if i have friends coming in to town family there's a certain up. rolodex i know yeah. done i know where i'm gonna take you and those are probably two of the uh, top of the list really so you're basically you're not even in the core no and, and, and that's <laughs> the best part where you think of like i've studied for years the the beauty of fine dining in the western european cultures if you think about spanish food italian french but those aren't the flavors that i'm going after no i've driven an hour and a half across the city to get amazing sri lankan food in ajax yeah Yeah. i've had some of the best indian food out in brampton or hand-pulled noodles out in mississauga and as we've mentioned, I'm willing to drive for good food. And it's just nice to see those cultures and those flavors represented. Unfortunately, those places aren't always uh, in Yorkville, in Toronto. Yeah, I'm hoping times will change where uh, society deems those places are warranted to have those kind of flavors and skill sets warranted in that, uh, in that limelight. Well, I think time you're getting a lot of people that are kind of being pushed out, financially speaking, out of the core. But... They don't want to travel such a long distance. So then mm-hmm. you're getting people open up certain places outside of the core, which is great to find, right? Mm-hmm. And I like doing that. I like finding and discovering those places, but I'd rather find them just on my own instead of on social media. Yeah. But it's unfortunate. Yeah, like the whole social media side of things. and it's, it's changed the landscape massively. And that's why it's really cool to work 
with friends that their full-time job or passion is to showcase those small mom and pops where the food is 10 times better. Maybe they don't have the massive PR team or the marketing budget that these big places have, right? So it's nice to know that people are out there looking for the real stuff and willing to showcase and, and share that with people. What's like, are there a lot of interesting young chefs coming out of the woodwork, coming into the industry, coming up with new ideas? Or is everybody just, if I have the right marketing and I have the right tools and I have the right kitchen set up and I have the right photography and everything like that, I will be presented as the right chef latest one mm. that should be out there. I guess it's like a loss of the art, yeah. loss of the skill. In this country, I find that it's been loss of the art to an extent, but and that's not based on chefs or cooks not having the talent. No. It's what the diners want. Really? So you go downtown Toronto, you can find really cool, unique, one-off dining experiences. You can find in probably 100 um, Italian joints or a hundred French places because that's what a lot of the demographic has wanted for the longest time. So everyone thinks, oh, this is what I have to do. I, I've grown up in this culture. I've traveled around the world. That's I know how to garbage, do all this. Man. But the only way for me to get into the limelight or to get the investors to do whatever, yeah. I have to just do this because that's what the people want. But times have changed. You look at the demographic in the country, but even in Toronto, it is so diverse. And people are looking for unique experiences, different flavor profiles and whatnot. So people are now starting to push the envelope a bit more, but I still feel, especially on a global realm, we are behind New York or San Fran or London, right? I agree. So I'm hoping, especially for me having ties to London in the UK, that our dining scene can be up to par like that, of seeing Michelin star Indian spots or Thai places and just knowing that those places are booked year round. Like it's even for like, Without having that massive, like, the accolades behind it. I, there's a, this amazing Thai place I go to every time I'm in London. It's always booked out. I'm always trying to get a reservation at 11 o'clock at night <laughs> or, like, at 10 o'clock in the morning. But I still take it because it's that good. I get the sense with, like, Toronto, you correct me if I'm wrong on this one, is just the majority of diners, their palates are completely useless. They really don't know what is good or not. Like, And, and that's where... Like, it hurts me where it's just like you see all the social media craze. It's like, oh, everyone's doing Neapolitan pizzas again or carbonara. So I was going to bring go for it the to best that. espresso I martinis. Like, I'm I, like, I, I know that there's a certain individual. It's just all about the undercarriage and all this crap. And I'm like, I, I get it. I understand that. But I've got a very good friend who built a trailer wood burning pizza oven God, that he brings to certain events. Mm -hmm. And I can sit. I, he always gives me an invite. Mm -hmm. And he has a specific dough. It's his old grandmother's recipe. And, and he'll like, Manny, I'm going to be here at this day. And I'm like, go. And I'll sit there for like an hour or two. And I'll have six or seven of his pies. And I'm not full. This is old school Italian way he does. And these are simple pies. They're not bells and whistles dressed up. And yeah. let's see what the undercarriage is all about. They're just flavorful pies. That's what matters. It's the that's base, what right? matters to yeah. me, right? So that's why I don't. I don't like seeing all these things. And here's the latest craze. Here's the latest craze. And I'm like, yeah, it's 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 been ruined. And we have to go back to like back to basics in a sense, right? Where everyone's thinking about the bells and the whistles and the crazy techniques or how it looks on camera. It's just like good cookery, good food is what's gonna stand like the time test. If you can make good food, 
people will come. I re- like Asia is huge for me, and, and I'd love to. I was actually thinking about this the other day because I was in Japan ten years ago. Okay, and I was like, I I was actually waking up one morning, and I was like, why am I thinking about I have to go back to Japan for some weird reason? And there was a lot of walking around going on, and obviously I had the opportunity to go to the fish market as you do because you got the not necessarily jet lag, but a little bit of a hike there, right? Just mm-hmm. to get there, and by the time you arrive there, you're still on tomorrow's day <laughs> and um and i was walking around and i can't remember the name of it but they have the fluffy egg mm, and they do it on the street yeah. and it was the best thing ever it. like it was the best thing ever i was just watching it on and then tasting it and i was like this is like thank you very much simplicity i wish i would bring that and the same thing when i've been in paris and i'm walking around mm. you're walking around and you grab a baguette and you just have a sandwich a ham sandwich and you're like well, it's just a ham sandwich i don't understand this it's just a ham sandwich it's just like there's just different things. But there's also farmer's markets that I've gone uh, yeah. to. And I've had some of the best crepes when I've been on a farm. And I'm like, I've watched the person do it. And I'm like, how is this so simple? Mm-hmm. And I enjoy it. And then you taste it. And you're like, why does it taste so good? I guess the environment, the place where you're at in your life and like geographically, mm-hmm. it's just different at that point. I think Toronto people that are on social media should actually travel, come back, and then appreciate what is good or not. Right? And that's the thing, right? It's just the education has to be there. And there's the odd institution that's there that's actually trying to push the envelope and do something new, but they're, uh, it's an uphill battle. Yeah. Which the younger demographic that are maybe a bit more worldly, if you will, they're having those tastes. So as the tides and time change and the eating out demographic uh, evolves, I think the, this country will be probably one of, and the city will be probably one of the best dining destinations in the world. It's just a matter of time. Time. It's going to take a little while, right? Oh, for sure. What about the um, the old school guys? Are they still around? They're still hanging out? They're still doing things? Or are they... I yeah. don't think that... I mean, I've seen a lot of them move away from Canada or the US and they've gone to other islands. They've gone to other quieter places and open up smaller places and they invite smaller groups. And I'm seeing that, which is really interesting to see because they're still doing it and they still enjoy it. But I mean, are you seeing more of that as well too? You still because, or is it just really about the marketability of it, where it's like young, hot, latest, next? Mm. Like what happened to the old guys and girls? Contractors, it's time to empower your business with Shelta Tech implementation. Shelta is offering a free meeting to tackle your biggest pain points head on. Their goal to develop a custom company app that's built just for you, solving your pain points, streamlining your processes, making your workday smoother. Here's the scoop. There's a $15,000 digital adoption grant available and Shelta is an expert at helping you secure it. This isn't just funding. It's your stepping stone into a new era of digital efficiency. By your second meeting, you'll get a tailor-made company playbook, a software prototype designed with your input, project tracking, real-time budget management, and daily logs all integrated into a single app. It's tech that works for you, not the other way around. Shelta isn't just offering tech. They're offering transformation. Join the community of 93 subcontractors who have already stepped up their game with Shelta Tech. Two meetings, countless opportunities. Ready to make a move? Visit Shelta.app. Let's pave the way to a smarter, tech-driven future. Shelta Technology, custom tech solutions for the modern contractor. Well, as we mentioned earlier, it's it's a grueling process, right? Working mm-hmm. in that industry. And if you're thinking like 20, 30, 40 years into a career of being on the line, if you will... It takes a massive toll on the the body and the psyche, right? So instead of having a 100, 200-seat restaurant downtown Toronto, maybe I just want a 10-seater in Collingwood somewhere, right? Where I've now built a reputation in the big city where people will come to me 
they know what I'm going to put out and I can just chill with my family, wake up in the countryside and do what I have to do for the right kind of people. Where the competition and whatnot, it's, it's nice and it's a great part of just business in general across all realms. But I think too many people get caught up in that competition, the glitz and the glamour and the hustle of being in Toronto or just in any big city in general. Where for me, I'm like, I would be more happy to open a bed and breakfast kind of higher end place out in the countryside than yeah. opening a big or a little small like shoe in the like, yeah. like shoebox in, totally. in Toronto. I I'd, l- I'd love to get your opinion on when Hollywood gets it right in movies, cooking wise, culinary wise, if they ever do get it right. I would say they haven't gotten it right for a long time. <laughs> there are some like, beautiful movies that have come out. That was, are, that are we were having out. a conversation sometimes, right, where we're talking about it. And I'm like, I'm not a huge animation guy about Ratatouille. I was about to bring it up. I'm, I'm still just, one of my favorite movies. It, I, I get the sense that it got it right on, on just so many levels. It got it right. Not just the culinary side of things. It just got it right. Yeah. And a lot of chefs will definitely attest to that. Yeah. Um, one, I think most chefs are still kids at heart. Hence why we like playing with knives and fire yeah, and yeah, yeah. whatnot. Um, but it's just, it's such a whimsical movie. It's such a feel-good movie. But it's just based on those little things of that a showcase that anyone can cook food. Food is not to be all pretentious and whatnot. At the end of the day, all, um, we're, we're all cafeteria cooks in a sense. Yeah. No matter what, if we're putting it on a tray or on a beautiful plate in a, on a tablecloth, right? It's all the same. It's very humbling work. So not to take it too seriously. Working with good produce, the flavor combos that can be paired up with, and just what it feels like to put out good food for good people. And seeing that can actually make a difference. And that's why I think so many people love Ratatouille because it's such a like humbling movie in a sense. Yeah. I don't know. And then you see movies that have gone the opposite way that showcase the, uh, the negative side of what our industry is about, right? Why is there such anger in some of these movies, right? Because... Unfortunately, that's how I would say Hollywood has made it. If you look at the rise of Gordon Ramsay in the States and the shows, like that's not who Gordon is deep down, but unfortunately, that's the persona they've built around that's what them. That's it. And that's yeah. the Hollywood version of it, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, there's that whole generation of chefs that have grown up watching people like that saying, oh, that's how I should run a that's kitchen. It should be. And now they're like, oh, why is no one coming to work for us? Oh, if you pay them shit money and you treat them like crap and you harass them, sexually abuse them, or degrade them. Like, why do you think people are going to want to come work 18 hours a day for you? No. It's not sustainable, right? So that's why there's a massive pivotal moment in our industry right now. These older mentalities or older people in general maybe being phased out. Some people that understand that things have to be changed, they're going to be there in years to come. And some of these old heads, as you explained, that maybe don't want to change with the times are going off. So it means a little comes back. That, who knows? Because it could. It could definitely could. Yeah. But at the same time, we've been in that industry in a labor crisis forever. We've always been understaffed. That's probably why I work so well by myself is because I've always had to do the job of two to three people. So now seeing that it's exacerbated even more, yeah, you could, you could still try and run a business like that, but who's going to work there? They're not going to work for you, right? Which make, it makes me wonder, is there such a hard pay your dues mentality in this industry there has been for the longest time um i feel like like in any any industry there is to an extent you have to gain a certain skill set you're not coming out of your apprenticeship or culinary school and saying hey i'm head chef tomorrow i'm running a brigade Mm. and i'm gonna have the best place yeah you haven't learned the the hands-on skill sets of running or working in the kitchen or the life experience that either 
And there are some people that get their overnight success and they're put in the limelight and they crumble. And they're those one-hit wonders. If it's from the TV shows, the odd award here and there, those people are never going to have anything built sustainably. So to actually build that skill set out and to see what can be done with that, if you do it the right way, beautiful things can happen. But too many people think that they can go from zero to 100. Was that ever an interest of yours? I don't I don't like to go down the TV route and just... So I've done a lot of TV work in the past. Yeah. So I've been able to film two of like Food Network's biggest shows of all time. So food, um, Chopped Canada, yeah. Top Chef and stuff. So probably two of the biggest shows in this country. And it's nice to see what that offers. Is it a realistic viewpoint of our day-to-day life? Not a chance. No. Nope. It's more of a game show than a competition. <laughs> You're there for your personality, not always your cooking skills. Who's the character? That's all it is. That's it. Yeah. And I get it. It's ratings and that's what, how TV is made. But maybe it, I was naive and I did it earlier in my career where I'm just like, oh, maybe the best chef will win. And that's hardly ever the fact. That's never the case. Never. It but works in the same thing with a home and rental TV shows. It's the same crap. It's the same bullshit. That's, that's it. But it's about what you can do with it, right? Yeah. What can you do with that marketing where I've had friends that haven't won the shows or Maybe they weren't um, showcased the best way on the show based on how the storyline went, but they were able to uh, to leverage that opportunity into book deals, into restaurant deals, into their own TV show. So it's all about working with the opportunities that you get. So I think there are some amazing things that come from it, but it hasn't always been showcased in the right way. I'd love to. We're getting close to the end, but and it's been absolute thrill having you on and no, just talking pleasure, about this. Um, I'd love to actually just you share about parents that just about like sometimes I'll have friends and I'll cook for them and some of them don't drink these days and I don't understand these people like I just don't understand these people and so you you make a nice meal and I'm just so used to having a pairing of some sort of wine white Mm. red or whatever it's going to be depending on the season what would you offer somebody that's not really um they don't drink non-alcohol yeah they're non-alcoholic right but I mean I'm I'm Portuguese I'm European so it's like in the DNA with a shot of something and then you start (laughs) nibbling on something else and then you have another glass of this and then by the time of you you throw in a little bit of grappa and the espresso at the end of it and there's a lot of alcohol but then you're also cooking too with the alcohol right and that's you don't let them know that and they just eat and it tastes amazing but mm-hmm. leave it at that but what do you do at that point how do you treat that and that's it's interesting because restaurants have had to combat that right it's like oh, really? do we lose our sales because there's so much money to be made on alcohol sales people still want beverages of some sort so now you're thinking of, what, again, in these higher realm places I've worked at, we offer juice pairings. So if there are different tinctures, teas, kombuchas, and whatnot that are being made yeah. to pair with it. And it's a complete different art form where, to be honest, I think it was easier serving wine because we're not making it. Just try some nice wine, works with some good winemakers and suppliers, bring it in, boom. Where now we're making our own drinks from scratch. So we're juicing our own stuff, fermenting this and whatnot. And it's really dialed in. We're... We're not just like you're going to do it all like randomly. We have to think about these drinks actually have to pair where with yeah with these dishes where wine just go through your catalog. We know like certain flavors from like certain grape varietals will taste good, whatever. So I feel it's open the realms of creativity because there's profit to be made in that. Um, but a massive demographic now do not want to drink alcohol. It's more challenging though, more prep, more completely. Yeah, which is and people think oh it's non-alcoholic. Why is this the same price if I'm going to get the wine pairings, right? involved. If anything, it's even more work. Yeah. So that's another thing from the diner's perspective of the respect of what actually goes into this line of work, right? If you think about the people 
picking your grapes, the winemakers actually making it, fermenting it, bringing that to your table, or if it's the juice pairings that come with it, right? Yeah. People still want that kind of experience, especially in the higher realms of gastronomy or even just us at home, right? What am I going to offer people if they don't want booze? And that's part of the culture I've grown up with. The same thing, right? So drinking wine and starting off with something, finishing with something. It's just and part of it. It's part of the experience. That's it. That's how I've always looked at it. I right? know for myself, sometimes I don't want to drink or my friends are like, oh, we don't drink at all. Or some people's religions for, uh, keep them from drinking, right? So it's just something that I've had to keep in mind now of having maybe non-alcoholic beers on hand or different types of maybe sodas or juices and stuff. So it's always now something that's in the back so of my you're mind. you're thinking about it at that point. Always. Always have to think about it. I got to get, I want to get to the 12 questions with you. Of course. Um, also, yeah. So, uh, Wonderlust uh, by Emron Texera. 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 Yeah. Texera. Right. And uh, ca and, and it's uh, texeraemron at gmail.com. And then on Instagram, it's emron, I-M-R-U-N dot T-E-X-E-I-R-A on Instagram and also on LinkedIn. I'm going to switch these up for your industry. What is your favorite culinary world? Word. Culinary word. More of a phrase, I would say, in a sense. Um, that be, works. Uh, pretty basic, but mise en place. So the French term to have everything in its place. If that's in life, if that's in the kitchen, no matter what it is. Um, I Back to what we were saying about how to design our kitchens and stuff. Every single thing in my life has this place, if it's in mm. the kitchen or out, where I know if I'm going to turn that way, it's always going to be in the same spot or that's going to be there if it's in my fridge or whatever. And that's just how it is. If you build your life for success and have the right things prepped and ready to go in time, and that's where it comes to service time in a restaurant. If you have everything in the right place. Everything is prepped. Service for when people come in should be easy. Prep is 99% of the work where service is that beautiful dance where yeah. you're, you're putting those final touches together. If you do the prep work in life in general, execution should be a breeze. That brings up one last thing before we get to continue this is lighting in your kitchen. Are you guys conscious of it, how it should be? Is there a certain kind of lighting scheme that should be for prepping and cooking? Lighting scheme for presentation? Like Definitely. So you should be conscious of these. You should I be definitely think you should design, be right? So Especially when you're thinking maybe homes aren't going to be dialed into the same kind of perspective, but restaurants is definitely thought of. So yeah. I know I've worked in restaurants that have been old like TV movie sets where we have like studio lighting in the kitchen, which it's sick. When you're thinking of content being shot, photographs or just day-to-day -day work, it's amazing. And you want to have nice bright lights, one, to see where the dirt is and just to keep everything clean and in order. But then the lights in the dining room are seductive and maybe they're focused just on where your plate comes maybe not on top of your face or in your eyes and stuff but then i've seen people in restaurants maybe the older demographic that are like oh it's too dark and they're bringing out their flashlight to see the menu yeah i know and for me i like i understand like that's not the reality i live but i can empathize with that i'm like what are you guys doing I you have to think point. about all those little things right so yeah Definitely something. I've seen a of. place where it was actually kind of nice. They had uh, old school and they were authentic because I went up to it and I took a look at it. Uh, old school studio barn, barn door lights over as oh, pendants man. over the island. That's sick. And I was like, and they were rustic and they were like, they were, they were just beautiful. And I was like, that's one of the best ideas I've ever, like with the hook on it as well. Mm -hmm. So it was connected to a pipe. And I was like, that's, that's how nice. you know it was authentic. And they were connected and they were used as lights. And I'm mm. like, that to me makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It, it's just, okay, what is your least favorite tool in this industry? 
my least favorite tool. It doesn't have to be a literal tool. It could be yeah. like just what the industry is not really doing well, I guess, these days. I would say social media. Okay. I, I And it's a double-edged sword because it's amazing for what it can do for business, but it has ruined so many aspects of society. Mm. If you can ask me, can we go back to the days without it? 110%. <laughs> I'm obviously... Not like I'm not that old by any means, but I grew up in a realm working and just being in life in general without that instant connection. And especially when you think about, about it from a food career standpoint, it's not who's got the nicest pictures. That place has amazing food and we're going there. That's How can we find out? Though. It's at that corner of that go intersection. To it. Go there. <laughs> oh, now it's like, let's look at the reviews. Let's look at the pictures. What does the lighting look like? Or the bathroom's a nice place for me to take photos of my girlfriends. Like, get a. I don't know. I, don't, I, so, I agree with yeah. you. Uh, what culinary sound do you love? Oh, you will probably enjoy this. My favorite thing was grilled chicken. So yakitori in Japan. When you hear the fat drop mm. onto the Japanese binchotan mm. charcoal and yeah. you just see and hear the smoke coming up and that sizzle. Yep. For me, oh, like, that's a good one. That's a good <laughs> it's one. Amazing. What's your favorite beverage? My favorite beverage. Out of enjoyment or just like... Could be anything. Could be hot, cold. Could yeah. be... Water. Just water. Water. The biggest thing that no one... Like, we're now seeing that that health and fitness and just health in general is a priority in everybody's life, but more so for chefs and people working those kind of hours in those environments is just staying hydrated. Yes. And there's been that time, the rock star era of chefs where I've seen more chefs drink beers and wine and shots on wine than maybe water, right? And that it's only sustainable for so long. So just having water is clean. If it's sparkling water that I use as a palate cleanser, as I'm tasting maybe 40 wines in a sitting or just as pure hydration, or just the fact that that's the base for any of our stocks and soups and whatnot. It's just such a versatile liquid. And I think it's so overlooked for such a plain Jane type thing. What turns you on and off in culinary? What turns me on creativity the fact that the envelope can be pushed in so many different ways. You can take the old and make it new and you can get rid of the new and make it old again. And that can be new. So I think that kind of idea of having that creativity around it, where you look at a lot of the menus in a lot of major cities, you can see so many similarities and it's inevitable when you think about using seasonal produce, but when it comes to creativity, not too many people have it. So I feel we have to really applaud and really congratulate the people that are really trying to push the envelope. Um, what do you turn off? Turn off? I would say the rock star status that the chefs have been given for, I would say, the last few decades. The gods. <laughs> yeah, like, and I, there are people I hold as gods in a sense in that way, but not maybe in the realm that they've been portrayed in all this it. time, right? Yeah. You've got to earn it on skill, and you got to have the personalities where... We've seen so much of that in our industry of people that have run terrible organizations, have not paid their suppliers, not taken care of their staff. You see the mental, physical, sexual abuse scandals come out. Yet these are the biggest people that get all the big brand endorsements. They're on TV shows and they're on the magazines. I don't know. I think we should get out of this kind of toxic love that we have for these terrible type of individuals, right? What's your favorite curse word? favorite curse word should be a few curse words in the kitchen oh yes there's my girlfriend still telling me that she's not one of my cooks and the best way to describe it is like we're pirates 
Oh, really? Yeah, it's like, that I, bad, huh? That's in some places for sure, and it's not from like an abusive like kind of standpoint. Where we're not degrading people when we talk. It's just. It's like just how it is. How it is. It's grammar. And maybe it's because I've worked with a lot of Brits and Australians in my time. I love the word cunt. I don't I don't no, know why. And it's no. different when you hear it in North America because it's aggressive and it's abrasive. offended here. Like yeah. it's, and then it's it's I, I'm I go of the Robin Williams mindset. He just thought of it as it's a warm and soothing kind of sound. That's all it is. That's and he gets it from the Scottish and English. And, and that's Irish. the thing. So when I hear that word or the word twat being used in the UK, I've worked with so many Australians. They've come over here and they're just throwing that word around. I'm like, okay, we're on a bus right now with like a hundred other people. You can't just be like throwing that around. Like I, I understand, and like I love it in that extent. But you also got to take in your surroundings where you are <laughs> at that point. Totally favorite vehicle in the entire world. Lamborghini 9094 Diablo SV. A Diablo? Mm-hmm. Mm. Red? Purple. Purple? Yeah. Like that beautiful. It's actually a nice shape. It's, it's a beautiful shape. I'm, I love my supercars. I'm old school. The older school, like Ferrari. I love Lamborghinis in general, but it's just the shape of them. Now they look too much like, like spaceships, if you will. They had more sex appeal back then. Yes. Like, can I take the modern like takes and design of the interior and maybe the mechanics of it? Sure. When it comes to the body, give me that old nineties like uh, Lamborghini looks. Oh, and there will be a time I have mine. So, but it's just funny how I always said that um, if we didn't have digital landscape today, none of the cars of today would really be posters on the wall in our bedrooms as kids. When those cars, Diablo, Countach, yeah. GTOs, Testarossas, they were on the wall. For a reason. And if, for people who know me and have seen the background on my laptop, it is the purple Lamborghini. <laughs> what do you miss from your childhood other than burning bagels and plastic? <laughs> people cooking for me. Uh, when you're a child. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Right? You're always being taken care of. And it's not all I want. You smell it. You remember that. Yeah. That's it. It's just like I went out all the time. I was old school as a kid. And I would push my future kids to do the same. Go out, play outside. I'm not a big video game person myself. I'm like, I used to go play soccer, go play ice hockey for four or five hours after school. And I come home and you smell the lasagna in the oven or like whatever your parents are making. And it's just like, I didn't have to worry about shopping. I didn't have to worry about prepping it. I don't have to worry about cleaning up after. I just worried about playing my games, coming to eat. These homes never had a canister of Febreze in the house. There was no reason for it because the house smelled a certain way that it was inviting and brought you in. And you're like, what's cooking? Let's cook in. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? I've always wanted to be a professional athlete. Which sport? Uh, diehard soccer fan. Okay. Um, Football. For the, for the real people. <laughs> I'm European. Little footy. I'm European, okay? I, I got destroyed when I moved to England because I was used to saying soccer. I moved back here and I oh, say football say and I get destroyed too. say it there. Oh, yeah. You'll get laughed out of Exactly. Places. Sometimes physically beaten up because um, they think you're American straight away. Of course. That's the right. last thing. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, to be a professional footy player would be uh, an all-time dream. Definitely did not have... I played a decent level when I was a kid. Not close to being professional by any means. But... To now, level. to have the time to watch my uh, weekend footy or the midweek Champions League games, that's time I hold uh, very dear to myself. So when I do play in my Oakville Men's League game, it is the World Cup final every Wednesday night. <laughs> <laughs> what profession would you not like to do? I would hate to be one of the dudes on Wall Street. 
where money comes first. If you're thinking it's an like, oxygen, eh? It's it's just like that's how they live and breathe. Yeah, it's just and maybe it's different because I've grown up with that European kind of mindset with my parents and a lot of my extended family growing up there where it's about life comes first. Mm. It's not this capitalistic kind of mentality where I like to have nice things and live in a nice place as much as the next person, but I'm like, I want to be able to enjoy those things. What's the point of having a Lamborghini in the garage if you never get to drive it and you don't have anything, to, like any of those like, uh, people to share it with? Mm-hmm. I'd rather have half the amount and have all the people and have all the time in the world to share those things with. So I put more importance on that time in my life and those kind of priorities than anything else. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Say it again, sir. When, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? If heaven exists, it would be a buffet of all my favorite things to eat. It would have to be. It, it's it just, would have to be. It's those little things. Yeah. It's the little things. If it's Not a single thing is burnt. Oh, no. No. Just perfectly cooked, fresh, whenever you wanted it. And we're lucky in Toronto to have some of those places around the clock. Um when you got to pay for it uh mm-hmm. heaven there ain't no uh bills we'll coming walk up in yet. freezer and fridge up there right so not for me to use because someone else is cooking <laughs> for me <laughs> everyone absolute pleasure having you show thank you so much for taking the time and stopping by and just sharing a little bit of insight to everybody here i like doing these kinds of shows that are off the cuff regarding course, construction man. and stuff but yeah. everybody that listens to the show they're, they're they're people and they enjoy going out and they enjoy cooking they enjoy doing other things so um thank you yeah of course pleasure to pleasure to be here and i uh, appreciate the opportunity to come in and uh, chat with you man hopefully it's the first of many times oh of course i'd love to have you back man we can continue talking more about stuff so thank you all right angelie we're out of here